so Slack is 24-7. Toys on. Yeah, and we are distributed workers. Yeah, everywhere in the world. And I've noticed I was I was slacking you this uh, this afternoon and I, I just like and I do this all the time and I think you do it as well. I think most people who use Slack do this, where you don't greet we don't greet people anymore. No. We just like go bam straight into a question. Yep, like absolutely. is this the thing? This is what we're gonna do. How much pod could a podcatcher pod if a podcatcher could catch pods? I'm Mark Stedman from Podient. I'm Brendan Hutchins from Podcast Advocate Network. That was nice and formal. <laughs> I'm trying to be formal. Yeah, I, like I was it. actually thinking about this. I have a serious question. Like, I am, you know, in the I'm not, I'm not in the I'm sort of in the process of trying to build myself up as somebody who edits podcasts for a living and and makes podcasts in this professionally. So I'm going to be at my computer listening and and editing on podcasts uh, all the time. When am I going to have time to actually listen to podcasts? Oh, this is a, a serious worry. And it's probably my one of my biggest hesitations outside of, you know, not having the client base yet uh, <laughs> of, of uh, starting this. Because <laughs> right now I have this super luxury of being able to listen to podcasts 10 hours a day. Well, I have in my library. I oh, see Overcast doesn't give me a an actual number, but I have, you know, a, a fairly large amount of podcasts. It was probably not as many as you, I would imagine, but it's a, I keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and the list yeah. is there. Um, and I manage, I mean, I, I'm, I was at the end of the queue last night and, and now they're mm. starting to back up again. But so like I, I get through them somehow. And um, mm. nice. for me, it's Just whenever you have downtime, it really is. So it's morning. It's, it's and it might sometimes depend on the work. Uh, that I'm doing. Obviously, if you're editing podcasts, you can't listen to another podcast. Yeah. Um, but there are bits and, you know, <laughs> you find time here and there. And then cooking and washing up and general human maintenance and domestic work, all of that yeah. stuff. You know, my Sunday is often spending, you know, 20 minutes dumping cat litter out of trays <laughs> and washing them thoroughly and bleaching them and, you know, going, yeah. oh, God, uh, <laughs> I should really get new trays. And, uh, and you know, and so... <laughs> That time is always spent uh, listening to podcasts. So I think, yeah, yeah it, it might just be that you you shovel things shovel things around a bit. I uh, I export the OPML from Overcast into uh, an XML file so I can count the number of uh, podcasts I have on a regular basis. I just did it after a big purge, trying to because I often am left over with like a remainder of podcasts I just never get to, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, so after the purge, I'm at 148. Uh, subscriptions. I'm almost on the on the smart speed counter in uh, in settings. I'm almost at a thousand hours. I'm at like nine. Oh, wow, thirty eight. I think was what it was yesterday. Oh, that's that's that is um that's a badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should we should petition anyone listening. Uh, if you can beat Brendan's number, <laughs> yes, then uh you will win a, a a pen or something. Yeah, perfect. We'll make a pen <laughs> just for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Congrats! You have more <laughs> listening in Overcast than I do. Wow! I mean, I, I, I tell you what, I am so far behind. Um, Smart Speed has only saved me a paltry three hundred and eight hours. 
Well, speaking of podcasts we're listening to, we just uh, started listening to a new one. Yeah, we did. Uh, you alerted me to this, and it made me very happy instantly because he's one of my favorite people. Yeah, Stephen Fry just started a new podcast, Great Leap Years, or Great Leap Years, because I guess they're not leap years, <laughs> they're leap years, they're leap Leap years. That's years they're leaps. not leap years. They're yeep layers. Exactly. Yeah. I just said. I just said yeep layers. Um, yeah. It's um, so about ten years ago. Fry used to have uh, a thing called Podgrams, which was an adorable name for um, for podcasts, uh, and I thought they were lovely. And he had. He would do sort of two styles of show, if I remember rightly. And okay. uh, so he would do a thing that he would call blessés, which were, I think, mostly <laughs> him reading his blog posts. Ah, yes. Okay. I was wondering where the B was coming from. Yep. <laughs> um, and then the other one, I think, was slightly looser, if I remember it. And then... A couple of years later, he started a show which he then abandoned, which is good to know that even people like Stephen Fry start podcasts. Yes. <coughs> dump them. Called The Dongle <laughs> of Donald <laughs> Trefusis. <laughs> yes. But this is very much in that sort of blessé style. Yeah. Where it's just, it's 40 minutes of very dense mm-hmm. writing uh, with some nice music in the background. It felt way more like an audiobook chapter yes. um, than than a podcast which it's fine that's cool i and i you know some people distribute their audiobooks via podcast and i think that's awesome uh i i didn't look too much into it i just saw stephen fry's name on it and i was like um cool let's sign up you know like let's check it out and even i I think i listened to the the trailer too and i i i I don't think i was listening too closely i thought he was going to be doing interviews like i thought he was going to be listening you know talking to the great people of making leaps in years or something. I don't know what I thought. Yeah, no, I think one would assume that. Yeah. And so when I was just listening to him read for 40 minutes, I was like, (laughs) okay, my head is spinning. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm glad I'm just installing a floor not trying to actually do something important. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It it was a good set. I mean, obviously he's a great writer and a great reader. And so it was was awesome quality content. Um, Yeah, it was interesting that it felt like he was... You know, it felt like a branded podcast. It felt like um, a you know a way to sell his book. Is <laughs> what if I don't even know if he has a book, but it sounds like he's trying to sell a book. Now, this might be a function of the way Acast works, but did you get the Hyundai ads at the beginning and the end? I did not. No. Aha! Now you see. This is where yes. it gets interesting. Um, I did see the, that it was an Acast podcast. Yeah. So this is this okay. This is very interesting then. So. The the way it works is you have a pre-roll ad, which is read by him, mm. um, and there is no... There's no ACAS noise, so uh, oh, I think... Okay. Uh, that, you know, if there is ad injection... Well, there must be if you didn't get the, if you didn't get the ads, but it's not the automated... Um, mm-hmm. Here's some content from someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he reads the ad, and then he goes into the show, and then halfway through... So halfway through the, the, the thing, uh, he stops for an ad break. What happened? Now I'm remembering him going in and out of and I thought those were just like chapter breaks or or something uh, like that it wasn't really a because there was no ad it didn't it didn't feel like an ad break so we we were talking away through this and it got us to thinking about branded podcasts weirdly enough yeah um <laughs> whether you, that was one or not <laughs> yeah exactly the, the jury is still out um 
And you fished out uh, an article from Pacific Content uh, saying that branded podcasts are dead. Yeah, and I had just I had just listened to a Wolf Den um, episode with the guys from Pacific Content, where they had mm-hmm. kind of more or less laid out that this was going to happen. Uh, you know, something mm-hmm. like you know uh, whatever. They, they more or less just rebranded what branded podcasts are. <laughs> it's, a, it's a branding problem for branded podcasts. Um, when you know, like the 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 brand part comes first it's it's too much of a oh we're trying to sell you first and then oh yeah we'll make content later mm-hmm. yeah their their new plan is uh just to change the name in the article they talk about how HBO and Netflix and and Amazon and all have, all have their originals and so they're changing brand branded podcasts to be original podcasts with brands yes kind of cute yeah it is um and i think the justification makes sense and yeah after having looked at their site and went through their um their show reel which is very very well produced so it's a it's a fairly compelling show reel i Mm. was really surprised at um the number of shows that I'd heard of that I didn't realise were mm. made by Pacific Content. Um, nice. Certainly, and I, you know, I knew Veronica Belmont was doing a show with Mozilla, and that would obviously be a branded piece of content, but yeah. it hadn't occurred to me that that was being made by Pacific Content. And um, there was a couple of other ones as well. And so it, it, does, it does demonstrate that um, at least their marketing position is that they make podcasts for listeners. Yes. The, the post makes a specific mention of it being a light touch from the brands, um, which mm-hmm. I think, you know, is, is absolutely the, the, the right way to go. I don't know that I listen to any branded podcasts. Mm. I think Gimlet Media do such an interesting thing of like, whenever they, they advertise uh, a branded show, they really, really want to uh stress the difference between a what we might call a gimlet original and a gimlet brand you know a gimlet creative um show right and right. so as a result of that i've never really felt like oh i'm going to check that show out because they're almost like listen you you probably don't want to <laughs> hear this it's branded content it's part of the you know we've got the ad music underneath so yeah but you know we're gonna say it anyway but and and so i've always been like okay well thanks for letting me know um interesting i've actually really enjoyed them good because i was going to ask yeah what, yeah. what uh, branded shows you'd listen to i've listened to the venture i've listened to creative conversations uh why we eat what we eat have you listened to chompers <laughs> uh, i have not listened to chompers no <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a John Hickman. It's a pitch invasion from John Hickman of Thread. Hi there, and beware of the leopard. Oh, is this the show? Are we in the show? Oh yeah. <laughs> so is there going to be like is this going to be unedited raw and it's going to be called Thread? And then that's exactly right. There'll yep. be some nice clear question and answers, and it will. <laughs> You're exactly right, John. <laughs> what I like about that, it's almost like there's a there's a, a behind the scenes bonus DVD. Yes. Yes. But I don't know which one's which. So about t- about ten years ago, and this 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 relates to podcasts in inverted commas actually story time um chris, chris anderson did a, a book called uh, free which came out in 2009 and the subtitle of that was the future of a radical price now he put out a podcast version of the book and he also put out an audiobook version of the book and uh, at the same time um uh, ian banks had a novel out mm-hmm. called transition and they put out a podcast of the book and an audiobook of the book. Mm. And what's interesting is that they were both 
playing with the idea of what is free and how you value your time. Mm. Right. Ian Banks's publisher said the abridged version of the book is a podcast and it's free. Mm-hmm. But if you want the full book and you want the full story, mm. you pay for the audio book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chris Anderson put out the whole freaking book for free and said, oh, yeah, but, you know, if you're an important dude like me, you haven't got the time to listen to me tell you my book for nine hours. So you pay for the abridged version. I would have assumed that one or both of the uh, podcast versions were going to have ads on them. I thought that was what you were going to come out with. 2009 was a, was a simpler time in podcasting land. <laughs> so um, I was listening to the, the bit right about podcasts and um, I, was, uh, I was quite amazed by how well you behave, Mark Stedman. <laughs> Because you normally have much more strident opinions about what a podcast is than than what bitrate suggests. There was a very nice guest on, and so he was trying to be on his best behavior. Problematic um, uh, Tina Boucher noise. This is, this think... is the thread component of the show. <laughs> yes, this is the bit where John uh, castigates me. Um, I... Oh, no, I'm not cast- I'm not, no, I'm not castigating you. I was, I was very pleased to, to hear the dis- dis- discussion aired, and, and I was very um, very pleased with how, how moderate and, and open it was. But I, as, I was going, as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, 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 I'd like to say this thing now. And, and I thought, well, because um, I know who Mark is, I can actually get to say those things, so I'm going to ask. <laughs> so what, what I would say first is I'm not kind of saying that anything that anyone said was wrong, but I think I've got a couple of couple little points on some of the things that were said and uh, a couple of different different ways of thinking about some of the things which also aren't right. Are you going to well actually me? No, 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 no. That's so, um, if I am well actually me, has anyone, has anyone got the soundboard ready? Um, <laughs> some, of the, some of the framing, and it's really, really hard to have this conversation without doing this, but some of the framing was almost like, uh, well, what can we do to fix this? And it's really, really hard yeah. for anyone to fix it because... Yeah the way that language is messy and the way that culture is messy. But I totally heard your kind of like your, your hope and desire that, that, that you could. Um, and um, I, I thought the thing about the idea that the word podcast might disappear was really, really interesting. And I really liked that idea and I really liked that, that theory. And that is one thing that could happen. Um, but the other thing that could happen is that it might become just a totally empty signifier with nothing connected to what it had before and then everybody will pile new meanings in on top of it so to give you an example of of this as much as we might say as we divorce the so the argument was that because the ipod doesn't really exist as an ipod anymore the connection that people have whether it's right or wrong in terms of the etymology of the word to, to a podcast and so there was a discussion of well as the ipod disappears the word should disappear and that's really interesting and that's really exciting. But we do have a model where it wouldn't disappear, which if you look at the uh, computers in front of you and you look at the GUIs that you've got, there are so many metaphors in there that don't make mm-hmm. any sense. Floppy disks. as what they are. Yeah, a floppy disk mm-hmm. is a save icon, a pair of scissors as a cut. I brought that point up and I'm, I'm not yeah. entirely sure whether I, I put it in the edit or not, but uh, I did I did refer to that as the save icon problem. So, I mean, yeah. sort of podcast almost becomes, it doesn't really matter that it could it could go the, the, that one way or it could go this other way. And we don't, we don't know because culture is so messy. I think that's kind of what I kept thinking all along the way was, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it is, it is very messy. Um, audio and video. Wow, that was amazing. 
I really, really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that part of the part that part of the discussion as well. Why is an audio not yeah, an audio? Exactly, an audio is not an audio. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why isn't it an audio? I, th- I think that boiled down to the fact that um, if you look at it historically, that the way in which the media that we can was consuming things on shifted was very, very different between the two. So, so, so video wasn't necessarily a VHS tape. It had the other transitional right. phases into into other things. It went. On, it was on so many different mediums. Well, I mean, audio had that too, though. I mean, it was on uh, wax cylinder and then vinyl and then cassette tape and then CD. Is that is that what you were getting at? Is that there were so many different mediums and ways to watch video? Yeah. Oh, now I don't know. What, I don't know what I was saying now. This made my sense in my head. This made sense in my in my head last night, didn't it? Um, this might be wrong, but I wonder <laughs> if it's the fact that we we say. We we would talk about a videotape, and that would be whether it was oh. uh, VHS or, or Betamax. We exactly, would say yeah. it's a videotape, and then we simply just abbreviated videotape to video. Um, yes, in the same way that we you know uh, abbreviated cassette tape to cassette or or tape. Um, and and I wonder whether that's the etymology. I wonder where the term video came from. Well, video is is literally Latin for I see. Um, oh. and, and that's that's where it comes that's where it comes from, and, and audio is a similar uh, similar reach okay. reach there, yeah, yeah. So that that's what I wonder. You know, we would say I videoed it because it was it it just became that colloquial abbreviation, and because we didn't have we didn't ref- for whatever reason we didn't refer to although audio cassette is a an absolutely cromulent phrase it's just not one that we used um so we would say we would say cassette and then when video happened it was then video cassette videotape and then as we just as the the those devices became more prevalent we just we kind of dropped the tape in our colloquial thing and then that became the noun yeah video Mm, became the noun and then when you moved on to the internet it was much easier to make that transition because we mm-hmm. already knew what a video was. We knew it wasn't film because we would say a film or a movie. Um, it was, you know, it referred to something that was, you know, usually not on demand, usually not live um, on a fixed medium of some sort. And so that transition was much easier. And that's perhaps why uh, having given this no thought or research, yeah. maybe that's why, we we have that particular noun. It's it's really hard it's, to do the archaeology of it, but um, you you know you've got to think about the fact that I don't know if if uh, if in other dialects of English this is the case, but we did verb video, but we never verbed audio. Yeah, which mm, you, you, you touched on yes. verbing of other things, but I don't think you touched on it when you were talking about video. So you know I mm-hmm. video I videoed this, whether that be something you recorded live. Uh, using a VHS-C camera mm-hmm. or whether that be something that you recorded mm-hmm. on your on your TV. That idea that, that to make moving pictures um, was to, <laughs> to video something. So that did kind of translate over. It's interesting, Mark, that you brought up film because, you know, we still call things films even though only the newest Star Wars are actually recorded onto film. I, I think as well, weirdly, the, the, there's, a, there's a thing between... Uh, recording video and recording audio that um mm-hmm. the communities that did those things are quite different so as much as you have uh you have professional quote unquote filmmakers who use video um there there was more of uh, a more mainstream adoption of the technology to make oh moving picture oh, films oh, oh, oh sir oh yes. sir hand up sir um <laughs> 
what role does the music video have to play in this? Because mm. that in itself feels significant. I've still got, I've actually got my hand up. Oh, I'm going to turn my hand, hand down. Um, <laughs> You're an embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. Can I go to the bathroom, please? I, yeah, I, I, I wonder whether that was a thing because the, the music video was a way of taking something that we already knew is as in music and then putting that on, on the screen. Um, and so it, it became then a much more prevalent noun. Um, music video became video. And, and so may, maybe that's a part of it as well. So the idea that, that a, a film that's about three or four minutes long could be a video. Yeah, it was a yeah. unit of entertainment. And and that's the thing, the video as a unit of entertainment um, because of music video uh, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe we've solved it. I think, I, th- I think, quite possibly you have. Well, it's yeah. <laughs> there, 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 there are a number of vectors that converge on it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like the thing. The thing I was going to say was, you know, people had video cameras at home. Some people did, and they had cine cameras at home before that. Mm-hmm. Outside of a market of people who were making kind of quite purposive audio recordings, whether it be of music or documentaries and those sorts of things, there, there isn't, there isn't a tradition of a domestic user making something using audio, but there is a video. So there's, yes. so the way in which the language around that has been negotiated is very, very different because of the number of actors and the types of actors who are involved in those processes. Yes, that, that does make sense. Oh, good. That's good. I'm glad it yeah, does. No, you're absolutely right. It, it took me a moment to, to figure out yeah. if I, if I was following you, but yeah, likewise, it was only the geekiest of us. And I'm yes. sure Brendan did this. I know I did this yeah. who made, you know, audio tapes of, of some description, oh, yeah. whether it was them talking into my phone. Hello, this is Mark, and this is my radio show. <laughs> I'm now going to play Tub Thumping by the Chumbawamba. <laughs> I almost certainly didn't do that. I did. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did that with my sister when I was, like, uh, five, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so whether – and I, I've still my, – my speech has not evolved uh, since I did that then. <laughs> I, I stumbled as much as I did when you know I was doing that 25 years ago. Um, <laughs> I – 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Good grief. Anyway. Yeah, time. Um, oh, boy. Yes. But it, it's – I guess – yeah, it was only the geekiest among us who did that, and it was the you know the, those are the people who then grew up to become podcasters or, or ham radio mm-hmm. engineers. Whereas, um, because it, it just seemed more accessible and also maybe more magical, uh, this idea of the of the the camera that you could hold with you, and you know, my parents. I think we talked about this on. Um, on a thread ages and ages ago, um, me being one and, and my parents renting a cameraman, um, cause you <laughs> couldn't rent the camera cause it was way too expensive, but you could rent a, you could rent a camera boy, um, what? for an hour. Um, and he would film you. Um, and then what? you would get the tape at the end of it. Yeah. I mean, I get that for like weddings. Yeah. Yeah. This was 1983 Butlins, which is a holiday camp. Um, <laughs> it might've been Butlins anyway, but yeah, 1983, three or four um and there is there is an hour-long video of us in a disco uh at a holiday park that my parents um paid they just yeah a dude would just stand and film the entire family on one hand that makes a lot of sense because then you don't have the the one family member that's missing from all the old videos (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of years later, you know, they, they rented a uh, a camera for the weekend. And then many, many, many years later, they, you know, they <laughs> bought one and I got fascinated by the camcorder uh, mm-hmm. and, and loved it and made awful films with my friends mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there was that magical quality to uh, a camcorder mm-hmm. that didn't exist with and and maybe it's it's because it played into that thing of i'm on the telly because that was a novelty (laughs) like that genuinely was in the 80s your picture being on the telly was incredible and especially if you a little bit later if you got a camera that you could hook up via the um rca cables to your tv you could then be live on the telly and all of that was was fascinating and um, for whatever reason, that magic didn't translate to audio, and so people didn't record their um, family audio in the same way. Because you know, I guess why would you? That's a strange thing to do. Um, yeah, and, and now people, yeah. people aren't going to probably uh, say, "Oh, well, I'm going to capture this. I'm going to capture audio of someone telling a story," because they're more likely in in the wider picture of the world. They're more likely to grab their their camera, uh, their their phone, yeah. and start using the video rather than. Using using the audio, and again, it's only it's probably only people who who think audio that do that. And I know I've I've just got my audio recorder out, whether it be my actual mm-hmm. handheld audio recorder or um, field recorder on my old phone, um, mm-hmm. and recorded my mum telling family stories. I've done that before, and I've recorded my kids saying things out loud. But I think most people <laughs> tend to capture that on video. Um, yeah. it's yeah. only that it's only that I that I have happened to have those facilities around me because of various things I've done for work over the, over the years that, that I kind of leaped to that. So, so yeah, I think that that's an interesting thing to drop into that discussion about why video and audio have ended up uh, in those slightly different, those different modes. And it's, I, I'm not saying I've proven anything. I'm just sort of saying that that kind of opens up part of that discussion. I think in an interesting, well, it has been an interesting discussion hearing you guys go at it really. Um, similarly to related to that, Mark, the, there was a point you made about community radio that I, that I wanted to, and speak about with you okay I, d- I don't know if you have the same um tradition in the us of, of community radio like this but uh in the uk mm-hmm. we we do and we and, and we have and you made the point mark that when those people went online they didn't refer to themselves as community audio on the internet mm-hmm. and i wondered if you had any thoughts mm-hmm. as to why because i've got some thoughts for you as to why uh my 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 simplest thought uh is that um it started as actual radio um right. because, you know community radio would be you would get a small well you, you'll remember the name of it of it john um but a, a small, restricted service you know, license restricted service license thank you oh, um yes there you go from the radio academy no not the radio academy from anyway uh whoever it was so people would get a um they'd get a restricted service license for a very short distance and they would, they would do their thing. And that's how I started uh, doing student radio at at the university uh, that we both went to. And um, that then obviously broadened out into online radio. And then of course, and for, for a time, of course you would have had both of them running at the same time, or it would have been fairly common to have the RSL and the uh, online thing running and then you know the online just becomes the thing because it's way cheaper you know so 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 we have we have spectrum scarcity right so there's there's a limited number of signals that can go mm-hmm. out 
um, because they can't overlap on the spectrum and because they can't overlap in terms of footprints between transmitters and all these sorts of things. Tiny island problems. Yeah. So spectrum becomes <laughs> uh, spectrum becomes um, a, a, a problem for regulation and control, and that regulation and control has to be done by a, a central agency, essentially uh, right. a, a division of, of, of a government. So community radio stations were and still are able to to access parts of that spectrum if they can prove that they're going to do specific things and they can promise to do certain things and to do them in in certain ways and to uh, respond to the restrictions put on them by the licensing body. The reason why community radio stations go online, uh, particularly the ones that go online first before they even get the license, and they perform using this sort of radio discourse where they have schedules and they have shows and they have remits and all these other things is because they are performing to an expectation of what it takes to get a license because that is the end game is to actually get a proper quote unquote radio license now what happens subsequently to that i would i would contend and i, I need to actually go and do a, a proper bit of research for it but in the 90s you had the rsls and you had people applying for these chunks of spectrum you also had suddenly the opportunity to get real player and to stream your radio shows mm -hmm. over the internet. And so these people were at the, at, at the same time as Mark's described saying, well, we've got a bit of spectrum. We've got two weeks to broadcast, but we also want to maintain our audience. So we'll go online so they can come back to us after, after the fact. And this tradition of community radio stations on the internet comes from that, which means that now if you're going to start a service that broadcasts audio to a schedule, online, the language around it is already a language of radio. In terms of what podcasting is coming forward for me, um, I have a new series of uh, Nobody Asked For This coming out today on Friday. So if anybody's interested, I'll have a link in the show notes. It's my music podcast. It's really fun. It's weird. And I hope you enjoy it. I would love to hear, uh, you know, what other podcast things you guys have coming up as well, but I have to bail. Well, thank you uh, to John. Um, you can find him all over the podcasting world uh, at btlpodcast.com, where we talk about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, Thread, where John um, basically tries to fix me as a human being, and uh, also at runnerpod.com, where him and Nick um, talk all about running and uh, adjacent tech. So if any of that uh, catches, uh, catches your fancy, then you can follow the links in the show notes. Thank you again, John, uh, for joining us in uh, this bit of Bitrate. Bitrate is produced and presented by Brandon Hutchins and Mark Stedman. Thanks to John for joining us. Follow him on Twitter at John Hickman and find show notes at bitrate.podian.co. Now go and make some radio magic.